my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors Podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today we have with us uh, Seema Cheshti, who's the author of Sumitra and Anis, Tales and Recipes from a Khichdi Family. Hi, Seema. Hi, Manjula. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, an, uh, it's a nice book and it made me kind of like, you know, um, kind of flashback to earlier times, I guess, you know. I mean, I don't know sometimes whether it's one is just being the past is sort of been given a roseate hue by the terrible present or uh, whether it really was better than what, you know. So do you want to like, before I like take off on my own thing, do you want to tell me why you wrote this book so that, you know, listeners also know? I just want to take off first from what you said, the past, you know, the past, of course, as we know, is a different country. Uh, It's different in place and time. Well-established, good cliche holds true. Uh, There's a brilliant Hindi book I just read, uh, Ram Bhakran Baaz, written by Rakesh Kayast. And I recommend to everybody that they read it. Uh, Mm. It has a lovely character called Idris Chacha, who's pretty unspectacular. But near the end of the novel, he tells the hero's son that uh, never kind of, you know, feel terrible about the times are going through. That time will pass. I'll just function through that past because you never know later. You'll reminisce on those times and say that these were the good days, the Ache Din. So that really stayed with me. So uh, I don't know if the past and the present, uh, of course, you know, it, it looks rosier because those struggles are not there. And in the past, you didn't know how the present would be. So, you know, you all, like good human beings, hope for a progressive, better future. Yes. Right? Yes. I want to grow up is what we all felt when we were five years old. So that's a little small take on past and present. On why I wrote this book. Uh, It's a political response, clearly. It's sort of very personal, clearly is. I'm actually putting out my two very reticent private uh, parents' lives after they're dead into this kind of present-day hot cauldron. Uh, I willingly did that. I knowingly did that. But in a way, the hate around me and the time kind of wrote themselves. So I, I, so it was not really a book project, which anybody who knows me would also know that, you know, I would heal loath to kind of make it about my story. But at a time when... Um, there is so much of rewriting of history. There is a negation of lived realities. I actually want to use the romance as reality. So it's not as if it's mushy. It's not nostalgia. It's about all that India was and can be. So for me, it's like a call to what we can be and what we are. I mean, I am a living symbol of it's not romance. It's not that I think this is like a trick used by those who don't want the solidity of coexistence or the just a, a basic civilizational fact Fact that if you need to be alive and survive, then we all need to kind of accept each other and go, you know, grow to 
survive and thrive in that. That they try and pitch this as a airy fairy idea, as a romantic idea, as something which is elitist, as something which is deracinated. I don't think that's true. So I'm not saying that all of Indian culture is like a salad bowl or a melting pot or Ganga Jamni. That's not true. There are things that should be allowed to be. They're pure, etc. But it's essentially coexistence. And I thought that my, marriage, my parents' marriage, and this is a memoir on just their marriage. They had very rich lives otherwise. I don't attempt to go there. Because it symbolizes all that was so different that could come together and that, that could easily sit easy. And the state did not actively connive with mobs to make their lives impossible. So if you'll read the book and you'll find that there are prejudices, biases, etc. that they face. So a lot of those yeah. times were quieter, no doubt, but they were still filled with struggle. So it wasn't very easy in 66 to do this or in 65. Mm. But mm. the state was playing a different role. And finally, what really got me thinking about this was when the prime minister in the 2017 UP campaign and uh, mm. so others in the BJP, but he specifically, and he's my prime minister, he's the tallest leader in the country today, uh, goes and compares a Kabristan and a Shamshan. And there was a lot of dog whistling there. And um, mortality, I thought, ended all questions of where we came from because, you know, we're all supposed to go to the same creator. Uh, mm. So as someone who later, uh, just a year later, kind of buried my father, I had cremated my mother. So deep connection mm. with Shamshan and Qabristan. And I was a living testimony to the fact that it felt exactly the same. So I thought I must put that out as an affidavit. So Mm. You know, and you know, this uh, the, this bit, the Shamshan Kabristan bit, you know, it immediately made me think of, uh, I don't know whether you've read Rukmini S's book, yes. you know, it's on a, it's a data yeah. thing on, uh, remember on uh, whole numbers and half truths. And at one point she says that the most brave people in India today are, are couples who, you know, uh, inter-religious couples. Yeah. And that is the case today. But um, I mean, it was always brave to marry across uh, uh, religious lines in India, I guess. But it wasn't so fraught as it is now, as we can see from your book as well, right? I think the signature difference, Manjula, was that, of course, you had trouble from family, you had hostility, you had people being excommunicated, but you had that from yes. family and maybe neighbors kind of looking askance, maybe the cup in some cases, in villages, smaller places, stuff. Mm. But now you have the mob and the state on your case. That's the big yes. difference. Earlier, the state helped you navigate this and at least uh, claimed to be uh, fighting, uh, battling on the progressive side. Now, yes. for fundamental realignment of where the referee stands is what has completely yes. skewed the and dug up the pitch. Yes. Yes. And the Special Marriage Act, and I mean, those all, uh, like you mentioned in your book, it, it, it was a result of that progressive thinking, right? I don't think you can have a Special Marriage Act 1954. It was as early as 1954, well before you and I were born. But I don't yes. think you can have that today. So we've regressed yes. many aeons. So was it difficult to write this? Yeah, it was. It was tougher to edit it. Because while writing, I could kind of just put together all the notes and it's written in a certain enthusiasm when you're kind of, you want to get this out and write it. I think editing was very difficult for me. And I must be, I'm grateful to Simar Puneet who edited it as well later to be able to bring some distance and perspective because the whole thing about uh, how much do you put out? Uh, is it the, the right thing to do to throw them out into the world? I and mean, I'm glad that my parents are broadly kind of agnostic atheists, so they don't have a soul lingering here, etc. But otherwise, mm -hmm. that whole 
was thing was also traumatic that am I am I doing the right thing by putting their lives out? But uh, yeah, so it was difficult. And after all, I I am their only child, and they were my only parents. <laughs> so uh, yeah. yeah, it was sort of difficult. But as I said, the times are so fraught and horrible that um, I just thought I had to put it out and start talking about it because particularly because it was romance that you know like they say ish hakiki and the Rumani ish the two kinds of mm. poetry. This is mm. where I thought mm. two kind of merged into one. You know, it's about mm. um, really talking about real life, hard nosed issues, but through personal testimony, which if people like me won't speak, then false histories will continue to be written with aplomb. So it's just yes. for the record. Hmm. And I found it fascinating that both their names mean the same thing. I mean, <laughs> It's crazy. I used to really laugh about it in school and say, you mean you actually went around saying you were just good friends and I would have a giggle as a, <laughs> as a preteen. I remember that. Yeah, that's truly fascinating. And uh, yeah, it's one of those quirky coincidences. It truly is coincidental. Hmm. And this, I found that the historian, right? The, your cousin. Yes, yes, yes. He is your cousin, yeah, right? Yeah, that's so who wrote the essay. That was a lovely essay. It kind of like brought that whole, and this whole period of, um, uh, you know, what I found interesting about your book also is that, you know, right now we are only beginning to uh, study the 60s yeah. in India, the maybe the late 50s and the 60s, that, that uh, uh, and also this, you know, 70s and the churn that happened before the 70s. Yeah. It's only now being studied properly, uh, you know, with books like, uh, and I found it fascinating that your father was in this, uh, you know, uh, a statistician by training. Yes, he was. Uh, he was actually, also, uh, my grandfather was very keen that he write this engineering exam at Aligarh and he actually ran away. He got off the bus and he just missed the exam. He said, I can't take it anymore. But of course, it had to be science if you were a reasonably bright uh, fellow. So, um, it, it, you know, a compromise was struck and he agreed to do statistics. He was at the Pusa Institute. He was employed there. But he finally took flight. He said, I, I can't take it. And, you know, he went on to um, write on politics, theatre. He wrote a bit on science as well, as uh, Professor Shahid Amin points out, but eventually went out to kind of seek his calling. Uh, on the very important point that you've noted, which very few people have, you know, this whole business of studying the 50s, 60s, and even the 70s in some measure. I think the 50s, mm. 60s is so important because India is yes. coming out of this murderous, bloodied partition, longest recorded ever in written history kind of migration with so much misery. Yes. Then to be able yes. to construct a country like India, you know, mm. the, I mean, I think whatever tribute we pay to the leaders and the people and to even the refugees who came from those parts, they played a role yes. in kind of crafting this, whether it is Rajinder Sachar, whether it is Sheila Sandhu, whether it is people who experienced hate firsthand. And they came mm. and were part of this other proper kind of story about living as human beings again and made life possible for your and my generation to be calm, to be to be engaged in not just kind of fighting for your lives. So that kind mm. of makes the now plunging the country back into that chaos and um, mm. doing various things that just ignite hate again and pushing it by fiat, by law as well, and mahal and environment uh, as to what a massive unpeeling is afoot. You're right. We need to, I think, study the 50s, 60s much more. And I'm, uh, I'd be very pleased if this adds even a mite to kind of understanding the spirit of those times. And you you make a point, you know, uh, about how the the social, like the accelerated social change of the 90s sort of leads to where we are right now. You know, uh, let's talk about that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as they call it now, the three M's, the Mandel, Mandir and the uh, market. I mean, I think there's a lot to be written about that. And maybe that's another book somebody will write someday. And stuff has been written on that. But yeah, I mean, that is even closer at hand than the 50s. So it'll take some time before we are able to dispassionately look at it. But uh, mm. I see two things kind of happening very clearly as a very hack thing as as somebody who kind of lived through that time, looking for a job at that time, I came of age, as it were, and, you know, running around, uh, living my, la- my, my life as an adult in that phase, that um, I think that unhinging and that unmooring that happens with liberalization, the, the speed with which things started happening, and not just economy, but technology, the way that kind of yes. combined to kind of give this massive pace, opening out, changing values, a large young demographic born well after the national movement, totally disconnected with the times. So if you like, maybe almost a second republic of India kind of thing in the beginning. Yes. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the quick fixes to identity that they all seek. So you Mm. had kind of pushbacks happening in terms of, and this is worldwide, it's documented, well studied abroad in other countries that globally that that's what happens when there is too much uh, economic change happening. And I remember Mm. Professor Amartya Sen saying that there is no evidence in recorded history of so much economic change in as in India at such a rapid pace with such little change in societal uh, norms. So I, mm-hmm. that kind of disconnect manifested itself that like, you can't have a static society at that time. So it decided to move, yes. but it decided to slide in a particular direction. Hmm. You know, you, you mentioned this particular thing, sentence that you said, but the inevitability of the BJP uh, emerging, you know, yeah. or words to that effect. Yeah. So actually now it almost seems like, oh yeah, it was inevitable, yeah. but it didn't have to be inevitable. Right? I agree with you. A lot of it is hindsight and it's rubbish. We shouldn't be saying that really. But two things mm-hmm. kind of come to light. There is a, a brilliant piece by Patrick Heller, the, this Canadian mm-hmm. scholar, and he he actually characterizes these times as almost a counter-revolution. So he said we act, so all this business about too much democracy, quote-unquote. So there are people mm-hmm. who found that, gosh, this is too much, that people who've been suppressed for so long, etc., actually having their say and this whole Mm. thing which comes packaged as aspirational as modernity as new and all that is actually a counter revolution to all that and this I remember thinking about very closely I had actually Mm. witnessed this in several travels to UP and all in different contexts for different stories and personal visits and all that there was a deep Mm. kind of anger at any kind of change I mean, change, I don't mean the techno type change, which gives you a good gizmo in your hand. That is okay. But mm, that is okay. Yeah, that yeah. is okay. And I still remember one guy getting so angry at this Chota Sa Faizabad hotel with, he told a guy to clean his car. And uh, I mean, he was just staying there. He was, must be a medical representative or something. I was sitting in the reception. It's a very, very small hotel. And that guy said, Abhi, I'm ladka nahi, abhi, I'm dek ke batate, wo aega. This guy just lost it. Because just the fact of somebody talking back uh, means that, you know, so it's not as if, of course, part of it is like a personality thing that how dare you answer back. But I think it conceals a much larger, so if I'm sitting there unaffected and I see a Dalit boy on a motorcycle with a, maybe a Muslim woman at the back, etc., going away, it doesn't affect me, supposing I'm just like a middle caste person on my shop, mm. you know, having good cup. Mm. But it hassles mm. me because I know that my supremacy and my place in this social order, which is unchanged for so long, rests on mm. everything else being the same. So I can see the mm. wheels of my car flying away as this two-wheeler is ridden by this Dalit that is Muslim. So it doesn't directly concern me, but I am far-sighted mm. enough to realize that, no, I need to stop this mobility. Mm. So I think there's a 
powerful impetus for people to stop mobility even if they benefited more from liberalization so you could argue in a very clean just a very, very pure economic sense you could argue that you know they everybody benefited and the upper classes benefited more but they benefited mm. from it only so much right it's good to have the iphone 13 and it's good to have uh, whatever new cars <laughs> but you can't allow scientific temper to run away right because surely mm. my driver's son and you know this sewage person who is dying his in the gas his son is likely to be hungrier to compete and if he gets 10 marks more you know my kids will not stand anywhere in that i can't allow so much change right mm-hmm. so i mobility threatens a static society and uh, yeah even i i agree with you it didn't have to inevitably be that but in a circumstance and in times when we allowed a certain kind of a change but did not actually plow along and go the full ramohan roy go the full monty on social change Hmm. we were setting up ourselves for this hmm so something can come buying all and also this is of course that you know there was so much that is you know it's wrong to look completely rosily at the past all it did was hmm. prescribe what is rosy is that it prescribed a path at least it claimed to go by higher ideals and values uh it's, hmm. of course it's imperfect and people didn't have uh, you know they were economically worse or i mean not worse off but not so good the pace of change the pre, the next lane is the cars are moving really fast you're stuck in a slower lane etc so of course all of that were there the accommodations did not uh, help everybody equally but we were broadly on a path where we accepted coexistence our films spoke of uh, a broad national canvas literally it was a big screen it was a silver screen and it was 60 mm but all of that seems to have shrunk to just pushing for a hindu nation which will actually go completely south so it's not going to help the hindus very much too if they just need to look at pakistan and sri lanka to realize that yes. myanmar yes hmm which is another thing like you know i think you make a reference to it but how uh, you know uh, there was a belief that we were um, we were exceptional compared yeah. to you know, the other countries in south asia right? because we'd look at pakistan and see oh you know they're so into this purity and religion but that's exactly what we've become right so i'd like to quote know, a former pakistani cousin of mine who's now canadian and she just said that seema i get ptsd when i look at india because this is exactly what we went through in the 80s with zia hmm. the whole picking of the religiosity and it's very difficult to push it back into the bottle unless of course there's a full counter you have another gandhi you have a comparable movement so i don't mean a messia but i mean that you have a proper kind of enriching and and something that's happening at a suitably fast pace but instead mm. you have a complete closing down we are obviously a shutting down of the digital space a uh, school education whatsapp everything is kind of morphing in one narrow direction that is talking about taking us straight to the past which actually just talks about a monarchy it's actually shameless and it says yes. that you should have a one everything and everybody should be cast in the image of the great leader you know so his food habits his way of thinking is what is ideal and there are no other ideals so uh, mm. we were all noticing that on a lot of whatsapp uh, dps or messages earlier you'd have girls with young people you know you'd have the girls mm. heroines or heroes etc now it's all mm. kind of it's something else now very aggressive angry so it's a real redux not even redux it's a very strange morphing of the 70s angry young man at angry at the wrong kind of thing you know exactly as we see the trumpian kind of uh, Uh, yes. bought in america so i think this is this has a close cousin with and it's tapping into old roots so it's not a new thing it's not yes. for the refugees and also that seems to give it even more uh, legs weight 
because it's tapping into a fundamental familial social regression which we did not address as we went about addressing other things maybe it would have happened in due course maybe this is why mm. this is a counter revolution maybe if if the past had continued for uh, 20 30 years india would have been in a different place uh, school enrollments mm. did go up all of that did happen but fundamental mm. denouncing of social values that privilege inequality that accept graded inequality and oppression we did not fight Hmm. Right. So you know, to more cheerful things, the you know the recipes that your mother's put down. So did she? When did she put them down? You know, yeah, she uh, like, she tried. She tried. She mentions in the intro that she written for this. I think she. This is one yes. that I think she probably wanted published because she wanted more young women, as she put it, to have to to have the benefit of just opening a book. This is pre YouTube times, clearly. Yes. To just open a book and to you know it's as easy as YouTube. You just see it and you uh, do it. Kind of yes. Because yes. so she kind of put it down at. she says thrice uh this is the third one i've lost two recipe books i was stationed out of delhi once so i carried it i may have lost it in my two year stint there i that i may have lost this is the last and she says look this is the last time i'm doing this so this is the third time mm-hmm. she did it mummy as a young person was uh, subjected to a fair deal of before her elder brother takes her you know in his custody yes. and can you know helps yes. her and you know helps her kind of blossom and read and write she was really kind she had a hard time and she actually had to make adige and she had to make aata etc and do dosa aata and all in the morning before going for exams or going for a, you know classes as a child oh, so she didn't, you know that drudgery so for her she does not buy this line of you know cooking is like liberation and all she says only liberation if you have a choice not if you don't <laughs> so i was mm. just kept away from the kitchen you know except the roti which i was taught to make i you know she said you don't need to learn this nobody needs to learn this and uh-huh. when you need to you take the book <laughs> so i think her recipe book was a part of that that because you know you didn't do any of this here are the recipe books so here's the recipe books so if you ever need to cook for your family for yourself you know take this and use this so it was like do this in the scientific way which yeah, i made this out. properly even though her measures are not like these days they're like you know 2.3 ounces and all that she's very you know a dash off and all but that is eventually how we realize how people did their cooking earlier <laughs> but she's very i know she was very uh, she used to get very hassled with me kind of dumping everything together you know and she said no no there's a science to this as uh, you know as people now know very well and they knew then too that please roast the cumin first and then add this. yes it's yes important and it tastes different so i've learned that yes. out of trial and kind of mostly error less trial uh, later yeah. in life that yeah i need to do that so so therefore she decided to just write it all down in one place and because it has yeah. recipes which are uh, of all kinds and it's not like some you know nayab recipe or some very exclusive nawabi recipe etc it's not that it's just regular stuff which Yes, it's stuff that you can cook. Yeah, really. Yeah, cook. yeah, and and as as a matter of great shame, I should have actually edited that secretly. But she starts with plain rice, which a lot of people <laughs> find the hardest to make. But no, no, I no, I read that. I oh, she's really thinking of. She me. really is like really basic, you know. Like <laughs> this is how you cook plain rice. But I left it there because you know we we just decided it should be left there as. Uh, as yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah because this is a assumption that everybody knows how to cook rice yeah, without killing it you know? to cook rice and dal are the toughest things to get right yeah yeah 
<laughs> but you know this recipe i found it very strange smashed fish i've never seen this before you probably found the title uh, funny right smashed fish let me <laughs> it tastes really yummy what a weird you said also at the end then smash the fish well ma has written that yeah then smash the fish yes, well. yes. it's really nice huh you must try this it is the easiest thing to do and it's actually a devaria recipe i mean it's from my mother from my father's side Oh, it's yeah, and you can just have it with rice. It's really good if it's kind of dry and nicely done. You can just uh, have it with rice. You don't need anything else. Oh, yeah. So yeah, this is like the most racy title. Yeah, smashed fish. Correct. <laughs> I read it and I said, "Gosh, this I've never heard of before." Very twenty twenty two title. Yeah, yeah. Given <laughs> before the times. Yes. <sighs> So, but you had to. Uh, so this was she had already kept this ready, and it's, you know, yeah, it was it's ready. It's it's written in a big, too long register exercise book, which costs twelve rupees. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's there in her mm-hmm. quite diff- hard to kind of decipher handwriting. So the typed first version had was full of typos. Yes, okay. So it's all handwritten in ink pen at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did you you know? Uh, so you've got all these. what i found interesting about the book also said you know you've got these voices from you know you 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 you've got uh, uh, living voices as well as those who've passed passed away yeah. you know and but you've managed to bring it all together in this book with recipes which can be used by anybody you know so it's kind of um, it's interesting in that way yeah i mean there was always a risk manjula as you know books so well the initial risk in the way i had it was quite staccato originally when i put everything together so of course in mm. my mind's eye it was also more scrapbook like a scrapbook okay. and an album of everything so there are my father's notes what my uh, uncle and aunt thought almost piecing up the whole thing though it is also at the back of four long interviews i did with my father so that's where i got mm. a lot of the real details etc from which i've kept which was before he died i just spoken to him about it because i wanted to i was just interested in their lives and some very dear friends said you must record your dad on this you know on the time mm-hmm. more like that but uh, i kept it very personal and recorded for a fu- for uh, yeah for long interviews with him so yeah i'm i here again like hats off to my editors for being able to uh, enable it to kind of hang as a unitary which doesn't phase everyone but just adds to it because it could have become very polyphonic you know it could have become yeah. like veer sangvi's voice shahid amin's voice seema chishti's voice anish chishti sumitra's voice you know and yeah. uh, what they said you know so it was, it could have got very got very complicated but i think in the way my editor was able to kind of uh, classify veer as an afterward to just do a zoom out on everything food yes, metaphor yes. you know for and make it larger than their lives and take it away from them completely is a good yes. end point shahid being uh, directly inside you know because he was so much his he was a, they were a classic mamu bhanja team you know okay. uh, so, yeah that comes out that comes out yeah, in in, in yeah, the piece yeah so that kind of just added to it but here i think uh, no credit to me but to my editors who to my editor rather who was able to kind of synth it better you've done and, and even veer sangvi's piece you know the thing struck me that the chicken i didn't know that harappans uh, were like were the first people to domesticate chicken yeah, you know that is tough thing to domesticate it's hard to catch i mean if anybody who's entered a coop yeah would know that yeah. is very hard to catch yeah the harappans and also the other stuff that he talks about the people who in ancient india who were eating all kinds of things 
So this whole yes, idea that India was this pristine vegetarian, I mean, you realize how much bunkum is kind of sold to us, a completely bogus past yes. is being packaged and repackaged. And to not yes. help anyone, it'll just, you see, I can understand if uh, Discovery of India, uh, Pandit Nehru is doing a little bit of mythologizing because he's setting up and creating a nation which has a door yes. to which everyone can enter. I can understand a bit mm. of kind of gloss there. But to have a spin gloss and mistruths that actually result in a whole lot of people getting feeling disenfranchised and not feeling welcome at all. You know, that mm. kind of, um, yeah, I mean, no license there. But that's happening all the time. So much so that because there's so much erasure happening consistently that uh, mm. you feel apologetic about saying things which, were, which are completely value-based, simple things like there should be peace. And communal harmony is seen as something which is attacking the majority community. Mm. Yeah, yes. We really are in very twisted times. Yes. Yes. And, you know, you've, um, I mean, this, the idea of people marrying across boundaries, across across borders, I yeah. mean, whatever, religious caste. And you've mentioned that caste mar- marriages are even, there's a bigger percentage of it happening now. Yeah. But across religion, you know, maybe it's fallen uh, Must have because two point five is a previous NHS uh, NHFS. I need to look up the recent ones to get this. Uh, what what has happened may have fallen. The other thing about caste marriage, which we don't talk about, which Rukmini probably does mention when she uh, is that uh, they are not Dalit marriages. They may be caste, as in you know between the Savarnas, maybe. So yes, I don't know yes. how many people are b- walking that uh, bridge. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. That 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 must be that proportion must be lower, less than inter-religious, perhaps. I'm guessing. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, could be. Gosh, these are. I mean, India is such a complicated place, and everything has many facets to it, right? Correct. So, and while talking about uh, other books, I mean, Rukmini is that lovely line that when she's interrogating this business of inter-religious marriages, and this guy in the end says that you know, you know, you're just asking the wrong question. Ask about love. Don't ask about love. Yes. That is yes. Really also so telling and it speaks volumes of the institution of marriage and about um, India too. Yes. yes. Maybe there's hope there. Mm, I don't know. I'm not a very, uh, uh, <laughs> not a very optimistic person these days. But, you know, yeah, I suppose there, there might be hope. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me, what was the most, um, you know, wh- while you were putting this together, what kind of stumped you? There must have been moments where you, you thought, oh, this is difficult. What was it? Uh, you know, what was really difficult was uh, somebody asked me this question earlier also that about balancing. So I didn't really have to balance or so I thought. Mm. But eventually I had to actually also balance a bit of uh, when I refer to, and yeah, what stumped me was my father one day sharply turned around and said, you know, you're just constantly referring to present times. And of course, it's very difficult, etc. But we should be careful about granting exceptionalism to our times. It wasn't very easy in 65. You see, and then mm-hmm. he goes on to narrate that incident. I don't know if you remember when they were, he was stopped. He was escorting a, a household chef, Kurban, home from the railway yes. station and they're accosted by some people. And uh, yes. there are people who belong to a certain well-known militia, which I did not write because of uh, loyally huh. uh, issues. I did not, I took out that reference and made them into, turned them into hotheads. But they were actually asked to open Saman and all. So he says it wasn't all very, Rosie. So that really stopped me dead in my tracks when I was listening to that after his death. 
about how mm. to kind of balance the tensions and the, you know as you say it was not all very rosy and we were always a work in progress complex complicated both you know a struggle mm. these very basic mm. issues where endogamy is at the heart of all retrogression and has to be maintained across all lines yes. uh, that yes. how do i uh, show that and yet talk about why these times are so egregious so that remained in my head because i'm wary of going down the path which a lot of people do political commentators also about oh it's always been like this you know oh it's always when you know india has been a terrible place of riots then and now so you know you lose nuance in either of the two portrayals but that's you know yeah. screaming too much about these times being the black times and those being the white times or then trashing everything and saying as you said the inevitability of modi or mm. ideology like that so yeah drawing that balance i don't know how much i've been able to do it so i i i and i was kind of trying not to of course it's about the past and it's about a positive assertion of what india can be and i'm around you know and i'm a i'm a living product of that uh, fusion mm. etc literally you know yeah. but to not kind of make it all ki wo bita zamana you know how to not make it like a past uh, you know is a different country to come back to that yes so that was yes. a challenge how to portray the tensions of those times yet making it clear so but i think i was helped by the fact that i was telling very specific stories so i was mm. I, i was able to kind of uh, maybe and i and i hope it is kind of broadly uh, broadly balanced and the fact that my mother did have a nikash she did not they they later get the marriage converted into a civil marriage they get it registered in 1986 as late as that but uh, mm. you know when they were planning to get you know whatever one house that they had they wanted to give it to me to make it all clear they wanted to move in the civil marriage scheme of things but mummy had a nikah very easily she was told by a lot of people that you know why you having a nikah he'll marry three people more etc was told all that so that i kind of did not write but i i write a broad thing about how you know a friendly a friend of hers told her yaar you know as long as you love each other it'll last anyway you know whichever way you get married but she was not she, yeah. she was not keen on get my being called salma or nilofer Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was very clear, huh? And when she found, so actually, my name actually is is the Persian meaning, which I much prefer. Is not the limit. I don't like being a border. <laughs> it actually mean, it actually means a shining light coming out of silver. So I much prefer that Persian meaning. Oh, okay. <laughs> exotic, etc. But uh, mummy just leapt at that and said, "Ha ha, Sima, Sima." And I presume Nutan's film would have just come early. So that's where you find a lot of people call Sima uh, who are slightly older than me or my age. You know, it was a very popular. <laughs> close cousin to sanjay but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but ma you know picked to that so i thought it was important to add that or the fact that she fainted after seeing so much meat my mother comes from a pakka meat eating family they rajputs they eat platefuls of mutton on the eve of when they are supposed to abstain they don't eat meat in my mother's house on saturday mm. but on fridays huh. my god you know everybody eats uh, one fourth of a goat each very very happily you know fridays is a big meat day but even mummy fainted when she saw so much blood and goats so i don't know whether to put that in in the context but as it know that has to go in because uh, no it, it was quite uh, uh, it was quite funny and it was, it's also true because you know the thing about uh, a, a lot of hindu families who are non vegetarian is that they don't cut their own meat right, right? 
it is it's separate it is different you don't know where it when, when it walked you don't know how it looked yes, when it walked yes yeah. yes yeah. so so that uh, her fainting was very appropriate yeah my that. mother was anybody who knew her she was this really self possessed very tough woman so mummy just fainting at that and there was total chaos in the house and would she be able to recover is she okay by the evening when the you know the you know you can't have a you know economics doctorate bahu in a muslim household in 1966 and then you know collapsing so yeah that kind of caused a lot of dismay and concern it was quite funny actually yeah. that 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 i had to put in or my father being forced to read the namaz by his uh, yes that was a really comic scene it was truly and he was like what the hell is going on anyway the car was lurching on siranagapatnam and he said like now what not now what is going to be inflicted on me they said go read the namaz like what <laughs> So I don't even know if he remembers all the verses beyond that, but he said, "No, no, I'm me. I should because you know, Papanna has got us here, so I should go and honor his." <laughs> so I think he read the Friday Namaz after like so long. <laughs> and uh, you know, also what uh, I can't, what sort of touched me was this bit about you know the the your father's side of the family deciding not to go to Pakistan. you know and and uh, and your exploration of that and how there must be so many families who did that right hmm. and uh, and how they constantly must have wondered whether it was a right decision also yes correct so i mean yeah this is a twisted this is a difficult one and i often think about it too there are a lot of people say see they're proving jinna right but there's this other view that had jinna not taken that step would we have had a different future yeah. so it's a bit like yeah. this kind of you know this a very alternate future sliding doors type thing that you know yes. what if the doors hadn't shut at that time so yeah that remains a very difficult question to answer but clearly once jinna and whatever whoever took that step and munje and company did speak of two nation we are clearly pushing down a two nation that is an objective fact what would have happened yes. is a counterfactual but the fact of pushing people down a two nation path is yes and it's a genuine question because right now it's come on to not just lives livelihoods inside homes inside refrigerators of homes you're examining everything yeah so everything is yeah. under the lens and it's very clear where the state stands there's another very poignant kind of story which i which i edited it is in my father's notes one of his mother's brothers more people oh. from my grandmother my my paternal grandmother's side went to pakistan he was mm. because his sons went there and found great jobs and all that and they said just come his wife is also there and he really didn't want to go he was really like he was not you know he was like one of the, all those relatives in olden times who were just allowed to be in the house no so he used to live with his sister yeah. his married sister and you know he used to call her lalli my dadi and yeah. uh, and he said ki mujhe mat jaane do lalli mere ko nahi jana and my grandmother said no no you go your wife is there your kids are there you know we don't know when these borders will shut down do go do go he says okay and he starts this journey to pakistan but he actually dies he has a heart attack he dies he's buried in azamgarh so for me that is like oh, real you know mamujan and dad and all would talk about how he's buried there still because he just couldn't make that journey so what that's so terrible horrible but you know just this whole thing about what uh, yeah there's just so many stories which sound mentoesque and are absolutely like 
not fiction, which are there. And yeah. to think that we are all reliving that and you're forcing 200 million people to rethink that is uh, is a tragedy of uh, horrible proportions. I, I don't know if India will continue to be exceptional because a lot of us have also looked and sneered at our neighbors and said, you know, we're like Sweden. We're on our path to first world. Um, and, you know, we're just talking numbers. We're talking education and health. Yeah, such confidence, such no, confidence. And I, I'm, I'm embarrassed about some of the stuff that I've written. You know, yeah. We are better, you know. Yeah, we are like, like the BJP, I want to scotch some of my history too, you know. That, you know, the stuff which <laughs> is very embarrassing right now and makes us look like nuts. And now to kind I'm of... I've actually told Pakistanis this. Yeah, and Pakistan, <laughs> so, so was Pakistan the future? I mean, it's really scary. Yeah. So was Pakistan ahead of its times? That it kind of, you know, it raced to the front line and got there in 87. Places where we're dying to go now. And the end, unfortunately, we all know how it's going to go. And the other thing mm. that disturbs me, Manjula, more than anything is that such a vast number of people, I've always maintained in some of my should be scotch pieces that if there is hope for the planet in terms of its multi everything, you know, this multiverse surviving has to be if India survives. Because, you know, India did in 1940, in 50, what European Union is still trying to do, you know, trying yes, to push. Yes. And so for the India project to succeed has planetary implications. So Yugoslavia, yes. Russia came there by way of some revolution and by way of some kind of forcible, you know, but we came out of there by, by movement, by a social revolution, whatever you may call it, you know, a social yeah. democratic kind of revolution. So is that yes. all was, so is that, you know, was that the exception? Was that the disruption? to a larger story of this region. And yeah, that does kind of trouble me and uh, worry me. But I just think that as they say that you have to keep trying to move it towards progress and where I think my generation, our generation got it wrong was we slept on the job, especially after the 90s, we took it for granted. We did not see our deep societal truths and the deep kind of ingress made by retrogressive forces. We thought that if you come out and speak for progress outdoors, but if you go inside and you watch an Ekta Kapoor serial and you wed your your daughter to the, you know, in, in accordance with all retrogressive practices, spend a lot on that wedding, etc. They're two different things, but they weren't. Or the absolute mm. civic behavior, you know, pushing people in lines, which we always thought was just a, you know, it's just a little quirk in this very messy cultural Indian story. But did did all those thing kind things catch up and upend the democratic project? Maybe they did. So stuff that we, we constantly had signs that this is happening, you know, the fact that there is female feticide, that caste has not been broken, that even Muslims are retrogressive and, you know, it, it ran across. So the fact that yes. we did not do a sweeping Hindu reform type thing to Hindus and to Muslims and to Christians and allowed it mm. to kind of just, was that the wrong thing? So that does worry me. Okay. Right. Yeah, so your, you know, your book isn't, that's why I found your book interesting, because it's not just a, I mean, though the cookbook bit is very interesting, and it's very, very nice, and smashed fish is something that I will try. <laughs> you know. Easy to, it happens, it, it can be done very quickly, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what is uh, good about your book is that it makes the reader think about all these things, that, you know, uh, and brings all the strands together and let you, lets you see, you know, and and as somebody who who is the product of two different streams and in you know in in a place like where we are now how does it affect you personally i mean i know it i just want you to say 
Uh, personally, yeah, it really hits because anyway, the personal is being made political in a very perverse way. The personal is political and the political is personal in broad ways in which we know. But this kind of intrusive, ugly way in which it is making its, uh, it totally directly hits me. And yeah, I mean, everything does impinge upon my, my sense of being, you know, I mean, does one, do people like me exist? Uh, you know, so is my existence itself is anathema to uh, a sizable rising uh, force in Indian politics. And that uh, uh, that upsets me, annoys me. And uh, two things one always took for granted, uh, economic stability in India, that unit will always be a better place and we'll constantly strive to get our poor people up and there will be stability of the rupee. There's no doubt about that. You know, we are not Pakistan or Bangladesh, etc. Quote, unquote, Bangladesh in single quotes. Um, and number two, the pluralism thing. I used to actually feel very arrogant while visiting London and all also. That, you know, what way of no diversity, morons, you know, look at us, you know, look at them. They think that if you're in a sari, you can't read the Financial Times or you don't, you know. Multiculturalism, multiculturalism. I used to think, oh God, a children they are, you know, I mean, they, there's so much to learn from Indians. So from there, yeah, yeah. So people like me have been slapped really hard by this turn that Indian politics has taken of the of politics peering into your homes and examining you and then deciding whether and even linking citizenship to what you eat, who you are, where you came from, your religion. So I think it's very gross. But I also know because of what I am that we've also grown claws over the past few years of uh, not thinking that this is some, uh, you know, that uh, there was a time when everybody got pushed back by this whole Lutian's argument and this English argument and this cleaning, you know. And in fact, there's a brilliant paper there which talks about how the Indian Foreign Service is actually using false, fake and misquoting from left liberal kind of emancipatory language to actually use it to justify lumpenism. And where you're actually Mm -hmm. insulting the Mufasils by saying that that is Mm -hmm. some great kind of assertion of Indianism. So I think all this is fake and rubbish. But I also feel that I'm lucky in that sense that it's fallen to people like me to live through these times because we used to all read all this you know this suitcase what is that lovely book by that uh, uh, author which was I forget her name this French author whose French books were discovered much later and she talks about living through the wo- times of the war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I know which one you're talking yeah. about. So all of that. But, you know, I used to wonder what it must have been like because we had pretty good in the post-war phase. Even the falling of the wall did not immediately kind of rear its ugly head in India. And, you know, it yeah. was broadly or so we thought. Maybe we were slightly uh, comforting ourselves, but we were in a slight, uh, we were we were actually the exception in how it played out. So I think it's yes. more than a on our uh, generation and us to push back with all our might and to also realize that there is no finito line, there is no finished line in progress. Okay, now everybody's progressive. This can, needs continuous work. And that's where maybe Jesus or Buddha, uh, Gandhi, uh, Muhammad, Moses, all of them were prophets because they preached egalitarianism. So clearly that should, you know, speak in a perverse way of what was happening around that it was prophetic and godlike mm. speak of equality. So we must yes. kind of just push on and there is no finished job with justice and uh, continue to kind of broaden this, the larger idea and to actually speak to universal values. And mm. to do that, so it's it's you know it's with a lot which of- now in in this context suddenly seems or, or has been has started seeming quaint for many people, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I think partly why I wrote this was also to kind of 
maybe I, I could have done it better also to uh, make it very clear that it's not nostalgia, but it's also about how, hey guys, this is how it looked like, you know, this is a bit, yeah. it, uh, sounding a bit like Nero, that, you know, the, get out of the matrix, you know, there is there is this world outside which you've lived through too. Because a lot of people, because of this massive propaganda, retrogression and people changing, you know, sides quickly, WhatsApp groups and all that, they've morphed into actually believing that there was another past. So even people like you and yeah. me risk going down and seeing everything through hindsight as to add re- adding up to a, to the, what we have today. So uh, I just wanted to actually draw attention to that's not true and to not forget that and to not see ourselves as deracinated, all of that. Because this Khan market and all is all nonsense. These My parents are not nonsense. in the Khan market. They're from like yeah. Arsikere and Mysore and Devaria. Those guys <laughs> yeah. were yeah, much more cosmopolitan than... And even at that time, people who were studying in smaller towns, first generation migrants to Delhi, were not coming from dark places. You know, they were yeah. they were reading Shakespeare, they were reading uh, yes, you know yes. Nagarjun, they were reading Bhagavanna. Yeah. So I think yeah. now the shrinking that's happened cannot be justified as a return to some sort of Indianness and all. That's a way of appealing mm. to Lumpen and the cheap and easy route to getting the crowds on on side, which is being attempted. Yes. So a retrogression can't be my heritage. So yes, kind of yes. draw from that in a way which is not only uh, Brahminical and all that, but to draw from the rich tradition and of course recognize that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. We need to do that. But I can't say that high culture because it is, you know, uh, MS Subalakshmi singing a ghazal is Lutians. It's not. It's part of our past <laughs> and it's on YouTube and it's serious and it's real. So I think that's why this needs a massive kind of a pushback. And this is just a small attempt to kind of do that to just say that look there are lived realities i hope more people write about what they see as not as uh, you know not deracinated or lutians and all that and we claim back all these words and places and we want a better future for our hindi speaking it's not an elite versus a hindi speaking thing and we claim good things and if it's a tragedy that in hindi today there is no progressive uh, patrika there is not even dharam yuga there's nothing that comes out Maybe mm. blogs and Facebook pages and Ravish Kumar. Yeah, yes, that's it. You know, but but Hindi has had a tradition of Harishankar Parsai and all who is militating against that. So it's of course had its Gita press and all that, but it has had mm. others too who are speaking speaking that. So I think it's yes. so yeah. So I, of course, as you said, coming back to your question, which I've digressed wildly from, is that yeah, it does fill me with a little bit of trepidation, anger, and dismay a lot of the times. But a lot of the times that it's fallen upon me to speak, and now the stakes have been taken to being so high that one has to. Speak speak <laughs> there is nothing left uh, to yeah. there is no middling to done to be done and there's no middle grounding and there is no this that and the other one has to speak yes. as we see it yes yes okay and on that note we shall end thank you manjula thank you so much for for the listeners for the listeners go out and get sumitra and anis tales and recipes from a khichdi family by seema chishti it's a very good book and um, it's a book that we need to, I mean, not just the recipes, we need to, you know, think deeply about all the things that Seema and I have been discussing and which are part of um, of her book. Thank you so much, Seema. Thank you so much, Manjula. Very kind of you to read it and give it time. I appreciate that. Bye. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program. 
the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 